It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign on to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. Promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And we are going to start things off by talking about the conversation for who should go first overall to the Buffalo Sabres. As we had talked about on our last episode, the Sabres recently won the NHL draft lottery and will be picking first in this year's draft and are faced with a bit of a tough decision, um, given that there's really no clear consensus first overall pick a presumed first overall pick prospect as there has been in past years, like last year with Alexis Lafreniere, McDavid, so on and so forth. You get the idea. Um, this year it's a bit up in the air and after a very strong showing for team Canada, after they just won gold medal, the gold medal at the world championship, Owen power certainly helped his case to solidify his status as maybe the uh, presumed number one overall selection by the Sabres. Um, but what it really is going to come down to is power and Michigan forward and his teammate at Michigan, I should say also, Mappineers, uh, a two-way center. So at this point, a lot of people really have opinions one way or another. I think after power's strong showing, averaging over the past few games, I mean, he's been up around 25 minutes a game for Canada playing against men and, of course, leading them to that gold medal, especially after they had started off 0-3 at the tournament, which I think is a pretty important piece of this puzzle. Um, Owen Power, definitely, I think, myself included, has made people soften up, I would say, a little bit on how they feel about the Sabres drafting him. Um, I still am firmly in like of the belief that they should take Beneers, but I think after how good Power looked, it'd be hard to be really mad about it, I guess. Yeah. Well, so to what you said initially, it is interesting because I thought going into it, uh, being a guy who only kind of pays attention to prospects, that it would be kind of a toss up like we've been talking about. But it seemed like as soon as the pick happened, people started talking about Beniers as a possibility or what the Sabres should do. Uh, it just just it seemed like the, the door slammed shut. And everyone was kind of like the consensus is power now. Like people are like pretty sure power is going to be the pick there at first overall. And it's not 100 percent sure like it has been in recent years, but it, it seems like to me, based on Twitter, at least, um, significantly more likely that it's power. So now I've kind of mentally accepted that it's power, uh, even though, like I said last episode, I'd much prefer a forward. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it is interesting uh, that this just, this strangely, you know, we never have the draft lottery in June, 
because the season never really starts in the middle of January. But so it's, it just so happens to be going on at the same time as like the end of world championships and power playing there, obviously, and, and winning gold, which is great. Great for him. Uh, it is. It's interesting. Like it's they power is going to be if he's a saber, someone who probably has to play right away. And there's going to be a lot of attention on him because it'll be the third time in the past eight or nine years that they've taken a defenseman top 10. One of those guys, both those guys are still on the team. They're also both named Rasmus and there's been varying degrees of success. Ristolina was an eighth overall pick. He hasn't been good at all. uh, To say the least, he's played 500 games though. We all know how we feel about Risto, but they did just three years ago win the lottery and get Darlene, who is uh, people thought of much, much higher than Owen Power. And I wouldn't say it's gone great. Like it hasn't, this year isn't like completely uh, tell the whole story of his career here, but I'm, I'm not super thrilled with how it's gone. And it's really hard for me to think that uh, this would go any different. Unfortunately, that's just the way after, after everything that's gone wrong, how can you, how can you look at this and be like, yes, they can do this. They can draft, they draft this guy. They can develop them and they can mold him into the player that is both worthwhile and worth a first overall pick. Yeah. And we had touched a bit on that last episode, but I think this is a good opportunity to talk about it a bit further because it's a very real reality that they have to face. You know, they need to look in the mirror and say, all right, well, let's see how we developed Rasmus Dahlin since drafting him first overall And as we had talked about last episode specifically, but also pretty much throughout the season as he was kind of going through his struggles before Ralph Kruger was fired, as you had said, it it has not been going great. And they, in large part, that can be blamed on the organization. So for starters, again, number one, huge issue with how they handled Darlene is that they didn't get him a partner right away who was somebody that was going to help him get used to playing in the league, insulate him a little bit, take some of that responsibility off of him so that he could shore himself up and, you know, be creative without having to, I guess, overly focus on the defensive responsibilities that come with that. Um, And and that's not to say that you could just stick any old defenseman with him and just say, all right, well, you be more conservative and you be more aggressive. No, you need to get the right person to do that. When you're taking a defenseman first overall, I mean, historically speaking, you know, the data is there to back it up. It's a lot it takes a more time and it's not as much of a sure thing when you're drafting guys that high up in the draft um, defenseman in terms of how well it's going to work out. So one of the things that I was, was kind of thinking about with this too, is, you know, their trajectories and, and we can get to that after, cause I do want to kind of circle back on, uh, on to the point about just like the situation that he's in. Um, so I'll get back to that, but anyways, though. Um, so yeah, the partner is one big, huge part of that. The second is deployment and the situations that you're putting them out there in, and also just how often that they're playing. Um, again, that's another thing that with Darlene, I think that a lot of us had issues with his deployment in terms of his offensive versus defensive zone starts over the past few years. That has definitely been a topic of discussion that's come up. Um, and on top of that, just again, the, the style that he's been allowed to play. Now, I think under Don Granado, if he ends up being hired or whoever the presumptive hire ends up being, but it certainly seems like it's going to be somebody who's going to be more 
um, the antithesis of what Ralph Kruger was in terms of how he likes to activate and use the defenseman. Um, it's going to be more, you know, offensive, offensive focused, pushing the puck up the ice, allowing defensemen to skate and, you know, not having to have them be bogged down with just, you know, sticking to their defensive responsibilities, essentially just having guys who, you know, being able to fill in for guys, if somebody's going to go up and, and skate up the ice with a rush. Um, so again, you have that issue there because they didn't handle that very well with Darlene, a lot of cause for concern. Um, you know, and it's something that I would think that if they kind of took the reins off a little bit earlier and got him a proper partner, that he would be in a much better spot than he's in right now. I don't think that Darlene's in a bad spot and I'm by no means feeling like I'm giving up on him because again, defensemen do take longer, but there's been missteps. And as you had said before, what is there to lead us to think that this will go any differently? And that I think in and of itself is at least one of the many arguments for why I think both of us are probably, even though maybe we're resigned to power being the, the pick, why we're both still on board with wanting them to take veneers. Would you agree? Yes. And I did see someone pointed out that they could take the quote unquote wrong guy from a team two years in a row in the top yep. 10, uh, which is, <laughs> that would be unbelievably sabers, especially if those both pan out, uh, the way people think they're, they're gonna, now Beneers right. is interesting. And this is what I want to get at with why I want a forward over defenseman at first overall. So Beneers point a game player in a very strange college hockey season as a younger guy, it's a, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But as a freshman, that's younger than most freshmen, right? Like, uh, let me check on that. I could tell you right otherwise, now. Otherwise he just, I mean, he's eight, yeah, he's 18. He actually, his birthday is November, 2002. So he's 18 right now. So, right. So like he's a guy, well, so I, I guess he's right after the cutoff, but he'd be younger than most freshmen still really good year point of game player. That's good. Uh, it's not really usually first overall pick good, but what are you going to do? It's, it's not a great year. So Thinking of teams that have really good – and if this all worked out, if Dallin turns around and Yoki Haru continues to develop and Owen Power is really good, and it's like, wow, look at these three defensemen they have. They could have a good top two pairings. Still got to do something with Risto. Still, Jake McCabe, as far as I'm concerned, is probably gone. Still, I, Colin Miller's under contract for one more year, right? So that's – Yeah. Whatever. Um, we'll probably see Matt Irwin for five or six more years. Just kidding. Hopefully. What Are was you? it? His name won't be Matt Irwin, but there will be someone there that will like, oh, my God, how is this guy here? Why are they playing him? Samuelson, we'll see. Ryan Johnson, we'll see. But anyway, let's say Samuelson and or Ryan Johnson works out, and they got this really good blue line. That's – especially if Eichel and Reinhardt are gone, that's not a great selling point to me. Mm-hmm. I'd significantly rather have a good forward core looking specifically like who's had good blue lines recently. Nashville recently had a very good blue line they still have a pretty good one but like of the you know they they had a uh, a really really good blue line like let's say five years ago it was probably at its best maybe four years ago they made the cup four years ago well the year they made the cup rennie was super super hot he had like a 970 in the first round against chicago he was basically hot until the stanley cup it's weird we don't really think of the team that way that nashville team they're like a seven seed i'm pretty sure but yeah that they were a hot goalie team They've been established. They've been in the playoffs, but they were absolutely a hot goalie getting to the cup and then losing that classic, that classic trope, mostly in the Western conference. Mm -hmm. And the next year they win the president's trophy, but they could score. Obviously Rene was good again. And they had, I I believe they might've still that year had UC Saros as his first year, whatever, not important. And then as soon as they couldn't score, 
they weren't as good. And then Subban just all of a sudden went from being like maybe the best defenseman in the world to kind of bad, like overnight. Yeah. So that hurt too. Very quick. Carolina Hurricanes recently before they got good were the perennial, this team's going to break out this year. And then they'd miss the playoffs by four or five points. They had, and still have a very good blue line. They've been excellent at drafting defensemen. You know, when they got good, when they got Svechnikov, when a bunch of their guys stepped up and they started scoring and when they got goaltending. So what I'm getting at here is goaltending, never take a goaltender first overall. Good Lord. But at some point, yeah, the Sabres do need to uh, focus on goaltending, like big time this offseason, both in terms of getting a veteran and then just draft like one goalie a year, I think. Like, and hope one of these guys works out. Play him, you know, you can stick him in some other league and figure it out and invite him for prospect camp. And if you think it's not going to work out, then let him go. But like... They, it, they, at the same time, obviously need to sign a real NHL goalie to play with either play with Allmark or they need to sign two NHL goalies. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. And forward wise, let's look at the team called the Pittsburgh Penguins. That this is a ridiculous comparison, obviously. I would not compare these Eichel and Reinhardt to Malkin and Crosby. But the Penguins have always had really, really good forwards because they're top two centers at a time you could argue were the two best centers in the world, the two best forwards in the world, or players in the world. They're always good. They, they always at least make the playoffs. When they have a team like this, that's kind of like, they, I think they won the division, but still, weird year. Mm-hmm. They've had teams that lost in the first round, but they've made the playoffs every year since 2007. They've had three teams that won the cup. They've four teams that have been the cup. They've had teams that got upset in the playoffs that should have won, all this stuff. Anyway, the reason they're always good is they can always score, and they are always all set on forward. They won the Stanley Cup without Latang the one year. That's the worst blue line that's ever won the cup ever in NHL history. I'm comfortable saying that. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that they didn't have Latang. That 2017 Stanley Cup against Nashville, especially that Nashville blue line, completely changed how I looked at this. They could have never won a cup without Crosby. They could have never won a cup without Malkin. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't win a cup without both those guys playing extremely well. And you're way more likely to get that. If you look at the top, like I said last episode, forwards don't usually miss. And a lot of the forwards that you could you would say are a little bit of a disappointment, they still score. Jack Eichel, his first couple of years was not a disappointment, was not a great 200-foot player, was playing in a bad situation. But what could he do? He could score. He could score. Yeah. I'm pointing at Brendan for people that can't see. Yes, yes. He gets on base. So that's why that's why you'd rather have a forward. You'd rather build your team around forwards. And I'm not saying like this kind of dumb, like Brian Kenny, like I'm a smart analytics guy, but I'm being very rigid. Like, I get it. You need, you need a good blue line too. Like, or you should have a good blue line. I guess you don't need one. It helps. Like I I mentioned Nashville and Carolina, they're good. Mm -hmm. Like the blue line wasn't nothing there. And goaltending is very important and very uh, impossible to actually do correctly. in, In my opinion, without looking into it, but that's why I don't want a defenseman. I don't want Eric Johnson, Eric Johnson. I would just as soon have Yakupov basically. You might as well. That's, that's about the same difference he's making. That's not fair, obviously. That's, that's definitely not fair, but I get But you, you might as well have who's, – who's another, like – wouldn't but, you much okay. rather have Ryan Nugent Hopkins Here's the Eric no, no, Johnson? No, no, no. So here's the thing, though. So this is what I kind of wanted to get into here, and a friend of ours, Kevin Entreider, 825, uh, he posed this question the other day, and I kind of wanted to put it out there. Actually, first, one last note about Owen Power, too, that we have to keep in mind is that he's also a left-shot defenseman, too, and you're going to be taking a first overall pick, a – presumably second pair defensemen. Not that that's something that should shy, they, you know, whatever. Cause if it ends up being great, then that's awesome. But like, that's a, rea- a reality that they're going to have to face. Like Darlene's spot as like number one left-handed defenseman is secured. 
And so Powers, you know, at least starting off, like he's going to be probably be playing like second, third pair minutes, a third pair probably starting off. And then maybe he moves up to second pair, but like he's not going to be able to play on the top pairing with Darlene. Um, but anyways, though, back to your comparisons. So Kevin had posed the question, if you knew that Owen Power would turn out to be Aaron Ekblad, he would have his career. Would you take him? And myself, and I think a lot of other people, knowing what we know now about Ekblad, especially after the year he had this year, I would say, yes, you would. Flat out, like if I knew that, would I be comfortable taking Owen Power first overall? Yes. That is, however, asked without adding in the important point of what is Maddie Beneers going to be then? So for yeah, Beneers, kind of important. the thing with him is that he, as you had mentioned before, a freshman playing at a point per game pace in college is pretty good. Like that's definitely solid. It's nothing to slouch about like before even getting drafted. Um, so thinking of it that way, one of the big hallmarks of his game too, on top of him, obviously having a good, like strong scoring ability, playmaking ability, you know, you have to, to be playing at a point per game pace. But on top of that, what he's really, his calling card is, is that he's a two-way player. He's really responsible in his own zone. And that's something that, I mean, especially starting off, is going to be really valuable for him to have. Because if you think about a lot of times when you're drafting a rookie center into the league, you're always trying to pair him up with line mates that are going to help take off some of that defensive responsibility. Not to say they wouldn't have to do that for Beniers anyways, but knowing going in that one of the hallmarks of his game is that he's a two-way player, I think is critically important. And so I think Ekblad, it goes without saying, I mean, he's up there in, I mean, he's definitely top 15 defensemen in the league. Um, you could, I mean, I don't know how much further you could go. You could probably go up to 10, honestly, like top to 10 defensemen in the league. But if you had to weigh that and the impact that Aaron Eckblad would have, how would you compare that? And again, we're saying like comparing a, a prospect to a guy who is a top 10 defenseman, if we're going to do that on the forward side for a two way around point per game player, what if on the other side of that, you have Ryan O'Reilly? Or I think Kevin had even said too, potentially like a Jonathan Taze. So using those two as the blueprint on the one hand where you can have an ROR type or a Taze type and an Aaron Eckblad type. Now on the surface, just hearing it by itself, if you hear Aaron Eckblad, you're like, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. But what's it all comes back to is, gonna, is who is going to have more impact on this team? Who is going to have a greater impact on driving play, on you know driving possession numbers, the underlyings, the, the score sheet for that matter too, pretty much every facet, it's going to be the two-way center. O'Reilly and O'Reilly is going to have more of an impact on a team than an Ekblad. And honestly, even taking it a step further too, I mean, even just looking at the Blues situation, you go top of the line for them, for their cup team, Angelo. not anything knocking him, but Taylor, who would you say mattered more to St. Louis winning a cup, Ryan O'Reilly or Alex Pietrangelo? O'Reilly. Exactly. Oh, O'Reilly. They're going to finish it? Selkie winner. Oh. I was going to – I didn't want the reminder. I was hoping – No free advertising. That's fair. I like that. All right. Well, anyways, though. But it goes – yeah, exactly. Ryan O'Reilly, he is the one who had the greater impact. It's nothing to take away from Angelo because he's obviously great in his own right. And that year, especially he was awesome, but having a two way center who drives play, who can score. I'm not saying that Beniers would be guaranteed to be at like a point per game pace or anything like that. But I mean, knowing that this is a weaker draft, if you could pretty much take a stab at somebody who would be like a call it maybe like a 70 point player who's really strong in his own end, 
similar again to an O'Reilly or Taze type. I want that over Ekblad 10 times out of 10. I agree. Yeah, that's that's basically what I was getting at. And Ekblad's a tough one to say, like, if you could have his career, because his career's not over or even really close to it. So I don't I don't really know if I would I would just take mm-hmm. Ekblad's career. I mean, I think if you look at Bernier's like, what are you likely to get career wise? And that's what's hard to project is like, does a guy end up being really good in his own zone? Does he translate as a 200 foot player? That's tough to know. But what you will know is he'll score. So that'll be it's something you can you can guarantee yourself. I don't know. I shouldn't get too worked up about it, and I won't because it's probably going to take powers just based on everything. And he's power, right? It's not powers. Power, yeah. Power, right? But I got to say, too, I mean, I know it's just it, – it's Twitter right now, but I don't know – he's not like the consensus among everybody. You know, Chad Dominicus are good pa- – actually, as a side note, speaking of Chad, before we go on, Anthony Scandria – our pal from expected Buffalo. He was on a few weeks ago. He had told that he actually was on right before uh, his wife, who at the time was, ex- they were expecting a child and that baby was born. So actually just to take a quick second and say, congratulations to Anthony and, uh, and your wife on welcoming a, a new member to your family and the expected Buffalo family over there. That's right. More like she was expecting Buffalo, huh? Wow. Folks. How about that? In the words of DJ Milk, shout out to all the babies out there tonight. (laughs) Um, But so uh, where were we at actually before? Oh, yeah. Chad had said uh, he had somebody had said that power is like the presumable, you know, everybody is saying it. But in reality, he's not. And I actually checked out uh, his uh, elite prospects page. And so, first of all, elite prospects has been years ranked as the number one prospect. Um, But there's also I'm counting McKean hockey. Dober, Dauber Prospects is another one. Smat Scouting. They all have him as uh, ranked as number one. So it's not exactly across the board. Okay, so I'd like to take a second real quick to uh, tell Kevin Adams to chill when it comes to his uh, his weird, unbelievably strange way of talking about the Pagulas. Oh. And this week in particular. Did happen? Well, when they won the draft lottery. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. His, his quote. So look him up if you, if you guys haven't seen. I'm pretty sure GR tweeted him out. God, man, weird, weird thing to say. Just stop. He's you got weird... the job already, man. You got the job. Mm-hmm. Do you think <laughs> that they maybe like slip him a 50 or something and say like, add in a couple compliments about us too while you're Talk at about it. us like you're obsessed with us. For right. <laughs> Talk about us like you are one of those people on Twitter who is in denial about how bad of a job we've done. Because the way that Kevin Adams talks about them is the way that the Pagula defenders talk about them. And it's, it's, it's pretty weird. Yeah. Well, Terry, Terry walks up to Kevin. He's like, you know, like that weird, like surface at the Harbor center where the media sits, where it's like kind of like a bar yep. for some reason. And there's like bar stools in front of it, but it's like uh, the stands. <laughs> he walks up to it and he's like, Hey, uh, me and my wife noticed you uh, from across the Harbor center. And uh, we really dig your energy. You want to be our uh, GM? You seem like you got a pretty good vibe. Like, yeah, you got to maybe chill a little bit and see if this works, you know, see if it turns into something. Maybe president of hockey operations in the future. Ooh. Well, anyway, so I think everyone pretty much agrees about this draft is that there's no one that's first overall or that will go first overall that people would be like, wow, that guy could be a Hall of Famer someday. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's one of those drafts that happen every once in a while. You don't want to win the lottery in those cases, but uh, of course. Sabres did, so they'll be picking first again. So I have a quiz related to first overall picks. Oh, baby. Yeah. Uh, these guys, I've, there's 10 guys you're going to guess. 
across oh. the four major North American men's sports. And most of these guys are similar to Owen Power in that when they were picked, it wasn't like, whoa, this guy, you're not going to believe it. It was like, oh, all right, well, someone's got to go first. Most of them. It's not exactly that. Mm-hmm. You'll know why eventually when we go through this. And some of them were good, but just kind of like after a couple of years, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy went first, right? And some of them, I don't know, maybe I don't have the same read, but they're all first overall picks. And they're, I think mostly guys you're like, hmm, first overall pick, huh? Okay. So let's get to it. Let's start with uh, 1996, the NHL. This guy was taken first overall by the Ottawa Senators and ended up playing the most games in franchise history for them as a defenseman. Hmm. Drafted 1996 first overall? Yep. Okay. Who would that be going? Um... Chris Phillips? That is correct. Booyah. All right. This guy was taken first overall in the 1994 NHL draft. Uh, Within three years, he was traded for Pavel Bure, and he had a delightful nickname that was a reference to a 1987 action film. Oh, wait. Traded for Bure? Yeah. At Jovanovsky, right? That's right. It's Jovocop. Oh, I didn't know that was a nickname for him. Good good yeah. for him. Yeah, first overall pick. Uh, it, the first overall pick in the 2013 NFL draft uh, was a tackle from Central Michigan who just recently won the Super Bowl in February 2020 and was cut this offseason in a surprise move. Eric Fisher. That's right. Tackle from Central Michigan, first overall. All right, this uh, 2013 NBA draft first overall pick was a forward from UNLV. Uh, He only played 151 games in his career, averaged 4.4 points and 3.1 rebounds a game. What year did you, and you said NBA? Yep. And what year? 2013. Anthony Bennett? That's correct. Only scored just over 600 points in his career. Uh, So you're four for four for so far. That's good. Hey. These are, by the way, these are mostly, these are all in our lifetime. Uh, so they're no, no, nothing too far back. All right. The MLB first overall pick in 1999 was taken. This guy was taken first overall by Tampa Bay. And he didn't make the MLB till eight years later when he debuted for Cincinnati. He eventually went on to win a home run derby and MVP had a four home run game, signed a hundred million dollar contract and then got dumped off within a couple of years. What year did you say? 99 99 first overall pick can you read that back? i'm sorry I, I hate to, i know that was a long one can you read that back yep so he was taken first overall by tampa bay in 1999 but he didn't make his debut till 2007 for cincinnati he went on to win a home run derby an mvp had a four home run game signed a 100 plus million dollar contract and was dumped in the middle of that contract um Damn, this is a tough one. Drafted by Tampa? Drafted by Tampa in 99. Never played for him. And he had made his mark with the Reds, you said? He made his debut with the Reds. Debut. Okay, okay. Um, Taylor, this is a – who the hell – He won an MVP? Yep. 
Can you give me a hint? <laughs> That's a bunch of hints. That's the most hints <laughs> of any one of these. MVP, home run derby, four home run game, huge contract, dump in the middle of his contract. I have someone in mind, but I don't. How recent did he play? Did oh. you say what year he, he was dumped in the middle of his contract? It was it was last is in the past decade. Was it due to a myriad uh, reasons? Is it Josh Hamilton? It's Josh Hamilton. Wow, he was a first overall pick. Yeah, so he, this is the guy that really doesn't fit with the rest because most of these guys are like like Chris Phillips was not a huge deal when he got taken first overall. It was never a huge deal. No. He was a real solid player until he retired. It's a lot of these guys on that list. Jovanowski too, Eric Fisher, Anthony Bennett. He wasn't a bust. I don't think because no one expected him to be good. I mean, he's still kind of a bust, but like, yeah, everyone was like, what? Well, got, if you're taking first, first overall. Yeah. Yeah. But like people are just shocked. He was taking first overall. Right. Hamilton was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. People compared him to a rod, even though it's like, he wasn't a shortstop or anything. So Weird. I don't know. Hamilton was a big deal, but I don't know if people remember that he went first overall. Nice. But he obviously took eight years to make the MLB. He took two years off uh, when he was he was deep into drugs. He went to rehab, came back. Cincinnati made his debut was just okay, but they're still kind of like wary about him. They traded him for Edison Volquez, and then he won the home run derby in 2008. Won the MVP in 2010. Hit a four home run game in 2012. Signed a 100 like $25 million or $150 million contract with the uh, Angels, and they dumped him off, off back to Texas and kept his money, and then Texas eventually like kind of dumped him too. So the Angels, I think, had to pay out a bunch of that contract. Well, anyway, here's another unconventional one, but we'll see. 2017 NFL draft, this defensive end from Texas A&M went first overall. 2017, you said, NFL? Yep. Miles Garrett? That's right. I couldn't tell if that was a hard one or not. No, that was pretty easy. Well, the most recent non-quarterback to go first overall. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, four quarterbacks in a row since. Uh, the 2005 NBA draft, this guy was taken first overall by Milwaukee as a center. He played in three NBA finals. Milwaukee. Um If you tell me who the one of the finals are with, would that give it away? Yes. Were they all with the same team? Or I don't know. It doesn't say that in my clues. Damn. Strange. How about that? Those clues should probably uh, figure that out. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. He didn't go to the finals with Milwaukee. I, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Kareem. In, hmm. Is it Chris Bosch? I don't know. No, that's not a bad guess, though. It's But it's Andrew Bogut. Oh, man. Bogut. Wow, that's a throwback. Yep, he got traded from Monta Ellis to Golden State back yep, in 2011 yep. or 12. All right. The 1993 NFL draft, uh, this Washington State quarterback went first overall. He ended up being on the losing end of Super Bowl 31. Hmm. If only I knew how to do math. You never know what's going to come up in these quizzes. No. It's good to have a varied skill set. Reading, math, ugh. Um, All kinds of bad stuff. It's horrible. The worst stuff. 94, you said? Yep. 93, sorry. 93. The year I was born. Congratulations. Great year. 
Yeah. Good sports year, mostly. What uh, What was the other clue you had on him? He He's a quarterback from Washington State, and he lost Super Bowl 31. No, he went to, I think, Arizona State or Arizona. It wouldn't be him. God, this is a tough one, man. Um, Ken Dorsey. I don't know. Oh, a little bit older. Yeah. Drew Bledsoe. Oh, wow. Lost Super Bowl for the Patriots. Hey, you know, he only lost one Super Bowl for the Patriots, but Tom Brady lost three. So, wow. Makes you think. Yeah. Who's really the better quarterback? (laughs) This this guy went first overall in the 2020 NBA draft and averaged over 19 points a game this season. Had some pretty spectacular dunks. Oh, Anthony Edwards. That's right. I thought I might trip you up on that. It was only eight months ago, but he was a real uh, anonymous first overall pick. Took me a second. He's going to end up being real good, though. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's with Minnesota, so that's tough. But Yeah, you know who else looked really good in Minnesota? They're back-to-back rookies of the year, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. Cat's really good. Wiggins is fine, but, like, Carl Anthony Towns is good. He's fine. Yeah. Uh, Wiggins is poop, in my opinion. Big, yeah. big, big, big pile of poop. Okay. Um, the worst, You know what the worst kind of guy is in basketball? What kind? kind of guy that uh, is terrible at defense but is also bad at offense and shoots constantly? And makes like $28 million. Probably a good amount of the NBA. No, come on now. Anyone else you could think of who fits that bill? Uh, Rudy Gay once upon a time. Wow, TBT. But Wiggins is worse than Rudy Gay, I think. Rudy Gay was just a man out of his era. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, All right, this is the last one. This goalie was taken first overall in 2000. His contract would have expired this year had he played it through. That would be our good friend, Rick DiPietro. That's correct. Wow. All right. I ended up, all things considered, doing pretty well on this one. Yeah, 8 out of 10. hey I thought, uh, well, some of these guys fit the same bill. Like, DiPietro, he's too famous to really fit this. I don't know what was thought of him when he got drafted first overall, but I think Edwards, Bogut, Bennett, Fisher, and Phillips all really uh, match the Owen Power vibe. Yeah, yeah. Of like not not too much expectation and they uh, didn't deliver or they 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 did deliver some of them Bennett did not deliver on those low expectations but guys like Chris Phillips he was always there I think that Bennett's expectations were probably lower than like Edwards yes <laughs> yeah that was the draft when he was drafted I think it was Bill Simmons on air was like what <laughs> like, <laughs> no one can believe it and it's weird because like earlier that season I Who think, else was in that draft? I'm trying to think now. Who else was? Well, no one that was that high was that good. Old Depot was second, and people thought Old Depot might go first. And then there was some talk about Nerland's Noel. He had torn his ACL. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I actually looked at this earlier. And both of them were good. way better than Anthony Bennett ended up being. At least they're still in the NBA. Right. Uh, so he uh, – let me, let me look this up real quick. I'm going to go by win shares on basketball reference. Bennett's way down there. But so, yeah, 
the thing is weird about this draft is the best players are Giannis was 15th. Rudy Gobert went 27th to Denver. Wow. Uh, Stephen Adams went third to or 12th to Oklahoma city. Mason Plumlee went 22nd. CJ McCollum went 10th. Kelly Olenek went 13th. The guy who's played the most games in this draft so far is Contavious Caldwell Pope. <laughs> he went eighth. What? <laughs> Otto Porter, Cody Zeller. I mean, Cody Zeller and Otto Porter were actually hot topics as well at that time. They went third mm-hmm. and fourth. So no one, I mean, Giannis is really good. Gobert is really good. No one that was in the top 10 was all that good. I mean, Old Depot is pretty good, I guess. McCollum is good. McCollum is good. Yeah. yeah. Just got eliminated again, unfortunately. Sad for them. Yeah. They fired their coach too. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of firing coaches, this, this team up, uh, up northeast of us that fired their coach halfway through this season is doing pretty well. They're about to go up 3-0 on, on Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. Maybe Winnipeg should just trade us Nikolaj Allers again. Mm. Give it another try. I That's a great idea to me. Also, <laughs> what do you think of the idea of Montreal upsetting Colorado for revenge for, you know, taking that off from them? Yeah. I, I think well, in the general sense of Quebec too, Quebec getting their revenge because Quebec city, you know, moved to Colorado. I will probably end up getting cold take because of this, but I pretty definitively think that Colorado or Vegas for that matter would dog walk Montreal. So I agree Montreal. So there's a great, one of the best sports books of all time. It's called the game It's written by Ken Dryden. And he wrote most of it during his last year on Montreal he retired at like age 30. He was just like, well, I want a bunch of cups. I'm done. And it was also Bowman's last year with the team and a lot of guys, it was really the end of the era. They won like five cups in seven years or something like that. Great, great, fantastic team. I think they won three or four in a row after Philadelphia won two in a row. So they, they just retired. He just retired at the end of that. And he was like, I'm done. And he wrote the book, releases it. And it's like an epilogue many years later he basically right like ethers the franchise and he's like as it turned out that wasn't just the end of an era for you know that team it was the end of the era for the franchise because he's like they've basically never been good again and he was basically like the 86 and 93 stanley cup teams weren't all that great and they faced an easy road to the cup mm-hmm. and i looked it up and the only time since 93 that Montreal's been to even the conference final even though they're always in the playoffs they've only been to the conference final twice and they were two Really not that great teams in 2010 and 2014. Wow. Weird, right? And now they might, well, it seems like they're going to do it again in 2021 with a not very good team. Definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, if you, I I was not expecting them to make it this far. Definitely not. So these are the three best teams of the past uh, 28 years for Montreal are the Halak team Mm -hmm. that was carried by Halak and lost to the Flyers in the conference final. The team in 2014 that upset the Bruins which was the first seed that year and was kind of carried by price. And also the Bruins kind of screwing up in the second round. And then third, this team that uh, was carried by playing Montreal and Winnipeg in the first two or sorry, Toronto and Winnipeg, sorry, Toronto and Winnipeg. So lucky for them. Yeah. They're about to win their fifth, sixth straight game. They're about to win their sixth straight game. How about that? Wow. Good for them. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Up to nothing right now. So if I might get cold taked actually now because it's only halfway through the second period. But you know what? I'm going to call it. The series is over. Ooh. All right. We will check back in on this then. Yeah. Probably by our next episode when the series is over. <laughs> yep. 
All oh. right. Any other? Oh, thoughts? they just scored again. Never mind. Montreal's winning. It's three okay. nothing now. It's okay. done. Winnipeg's Perfect. not scoring three goals on Carey Price today. No. Any other thoughts you'd like to share with the with the folks at home, Taylor? Uh, not especially. Okay. All right. You have a good Sunday. Yeah, I mostly worked, but you know it's fine. I got some Burger King, so. Hey, there you go. Treat yourself. That's right. All right. Well, who is your random Sabres player of the episode? Hmm. Joel Armia. Wow. I'm going to go with Paul Byron. Joel okay. Armia is going to win a playoff series before Mark Pissick. Yep. In fact, he already did. He already won a playoff series. In Winnipeg, what am I saying? Okay. Yeah. Whatever. All right. <laughs> Okay. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. And this episode, as we had mentioned at the top of the show, is brought to you by DraftKings. Make sure you are checking out DraftKings and using our promo code THPN if you are in New York State for your daily fantasy matchups. If you're out of state or anywhere else where uh, sports gambling is a little bit more legal than it is here, then again, use our promo code THPN. Also, make sure you're checking out Hockey Podcast Network online and their various podcasts. Again, as we are now approaching the kind of conference finals or however we want to call them, the divisional finalists or whatever. But that's all coming up. Hockey Podcast Network is the one-stop shop for all things NHL. Make sure you're checking out Buffalo Fanatics. Uh, The Bills, unfortunately, did not prevail in the Julio Jones sweepstakes. However, there's still plenty to be excited about. So make sure you're checking out Buffalo Fanatics and their various podcasts, video reviews, and all the content that they're putting out. That is really great stuff. Make sure you're following us as well on social media, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, Facebook and Instagram. We're at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter, we're at Straight Sabres. Taylor and I are both very active on both Twitter and Instagram as well. You can find us through the bios of those respective pages and make sure you are also subscribed to us on your streaming platform of choice. We will talk to you all on Thursday. This has been Straight Up Sabres.